Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast by Fund Calibre. I'm Ryan Lightfoot-Brown and today we're joined by Ned Naylor-Leyland, manager of the Merrion Gold and Silver Fund that sits on Fund Calibre's Elite Radar. Ned, thank you very much for your time today. Not at all. Morning, Ryan. Um, gold is a topic that's very much in the news at the moment. Um, it's hit an all-time high early this month, rising to just under um, $2,000 an ounce. Um, that's a rise of about 33% over the last year. There's a steep rise at the beginning of the pandemic, as investors might expect, um, but there's been another big rise in the last month over July. What's been going on? Well, the, the, the move higher that we had in July uh, and into, into August as well was driven by uh, real interest rates continuing to go lower. What this really is about in a more, on a more simple uh, level is the purchasing power of government-issued money. So effectively, the gold price in sterling and in dollars and in other currencies went up because the market became fearful of the purchasing power of dollars, sterling and euros in the future. That's what the gold price going up is about. Uh, It was no different this time. And it's why, on a more broad-based level, investors are starting to consider an allocation because this is a theme which people realize is likely to be here for some time. And do, so does that mean you think it can continue to rise? Uh, Bank of America said it could go as high as $3,000 by the end of this year. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, we've just had a, had a, a correction, um, which was badly needed in order to, to do that. So I tend to think that there's a higher chance of that happening than people realize. Uh, and the reason for that is because a loss of confidence in, in government-issued money it tends to, it's a psychological thing. It's, a, it's like a confidence-based thing. Bearing in mind that, of course, you know, sterling isn't, you know, it's, it's credit. It's not money in the first place. Really, it's a form of confidence trick that the government you know, engages in. Uh, so I do think that, that there is a decent chance that could happen. I, I'm a bit cautious about putting an end-of-year target on that. You know, we could be higher or, or, or not. Uh, but what I would say about that is, is this. Reiterate what I've already said. It's 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 not happening. Gold isn't going up. What's happening is sterling's going down and dollars are going down. So the question is, do you think the market will become more confident about the future purchasing power of dollars and sterling, or less so? And I, I do think that we are now in that, that 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 big trend of people becoming fearful of owning cash and bonds and saying, do I really do I really want to be here? Now, you, of course, run the Merrion Gold and Silver Fund. Um, Silver has also had a very interesting year. Um, What do you think the reasons behind its performance are? It's been very pleasing, Ryan, actually. You know, we've stood away from the rest of the market in telling you that silver is a a flow-sensitive version of gold. In other words, it's it's FX, it's currency like gold is. And in fact, really, gold and silver is one thing. It's like like a sort of blob of electron, really. It's just that silver is a more volatile version. And when capital appears in size for silver, it can really go. We have started to see that in the last couple of months. Basically, feels like the animal spirits of silver have been um, reawakened. Now, you know, it's going to be volatile. People are are more interested in it at this point in the cycle than I would have expected. I actually sort of thought it might take a bit further down this year before people would really start to pick the baton up in silver. But of course, you've got to understand that nowadays, what with Robinhood 
and you know day trading, the volatility of silver is very attractive to a lot of people. And this is it's starting to happen quite quickly. I think that's a huge problem for the banking system. They're massively short silver on a structural basis. Very exciting for us as investors in the asset class. Um, but it's particularly pleasing to me because a lot of other people, buy and sell side, tried to say that silver was a commodity and it had nothing to do with gold and it would trade based on its industrial uses. Uh, and I hope that we're all quite clear that they were completely wrong about that. And they will carry on being completely wrong about that because it isn't how it works. And we've seen that both on the way up and on the way down, and we'll see it again on the way up again. Uh, it's it's they're one thing, and you can amplify your return profile by using silver. Uh, in a complementary fashion alongside gold. Well, that sort of neatly brings us on to the, the next question. Because you, you invest in a mix of, sort of the bully and the actual hard metals themselves, and then some of the shares of the, the miners of both gold and silver. Um, so perhaps we could talk about those miner shares a little bit more. Uh, some income investors actually have come to the sector where dividends in other areas of the market, particularly oil and things, have been cut um, and completely dried up altogether. Um, they're now going into the miners. A little bit because some of the price of the extraction has fallen, but also the cost of the actual materials has gone up. Do you think that this is a, a good reason to invest in silver miners and returning this money to shareholders? Or again, I think perhaps you alluded to it that it's a little away from the actual economics of it and more to the, the value of the current uh, commodity. No, I think it's very much in play what you said, and, and we're just starting to see it now. You're starting to see broader-based equity investors buying gold stocks. They're not buying silver stocks yet, by the way, just to qualify that particular difference. The operating margins in silver are so low, or have been, that the chance of them paying dividends for at least another six, nine, twelve months is pretty low. Um, but you know, we are looking at a situation where these operating margins should start to gap. Uh, and then dividends will be paid. But I tend to think the rotation is more to do with um, uh, being underweight versus an index rather than anything else. So you know, what we're seeing is active managers who never owned gold stocks before, seeing their outperformance, seeing that's causing them drag relative to their benchmark or peer group. And they're being forced to come in blind to try and drag themselves from a zero to an underweight allocation. Uh, so I think there are several things about what you said that are right. One of them is is people buying Newmont for income, which is the biggest you know, Newmont parent, the two biggest gold stocks. They pay good and, and rising dividends, and I think it's true that people will continue to do that. We don't own those stocks; uh, they have their merits, but they also have, you know, relative to what we own, we think that there are reasons why you wouldn't necessarily want to own those within the fund. I think they have a lot of merit as, as dividend payers, just like you said. Uh, but but what we hold, that will come, but it's a bit further down the line. And are you worried a little bit that this could be some hot money? There's people that wouldn't really normally buy these, but a bit worried about underperformance, uh, uh, sort of putting money in, trying to chase the, the yield up, and that the money could leave as quickly as it's gone in? Well, I mean, hot money is an issue for everybody. It's not. I, I'd love to tell you that that's not a problem. It won't, it won't happen like that. But I mean, we just saw silver come off 13.5% overnight because that's pure spivery by leveraged traders that has created massive froth on the top of the bill that needs to be swiped off by the banks. So look, it's going to happen, and it's why the fund will continue to be volatile and it will get more volatile, not less. But really, you know, so long as your sizing is right and you're thinking about it the right way, which is it's a kind of call option up front, that you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be, um, you know, recognising 
the, the downside potential for a fund like ours is definitely there. You know, we go to a deflationary scenario again, like we did in March, the fund could go down, you know, a decent amount, rather like what happened in March. But the upside potential is sort of open-ended due to the optionality and the way the miners trade, which is quite exciting. And I think it will drag in lots of, lots of hot money, a lot more than you've seen so far. Uh, when, you know, when you start seeing on Robinhood and, and you know, day traders piling into individual gold stocks, then that will show you, you know, that that's where we are. But I tend to think you should be thinking about it in a positive way because actually what we've seen in the last 24 hours to sort of wash out is the one thing I was worried wasn't going to happen and, and is very badly needed if you're going to pull in new investors and drag in new, new lumps of money from the market. You have to have those dips, otherwise it, it, it won't work. So what I do think is, in a way, the hot money allows for the dips. It, it provides a, 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 a sort of a direction of travel which can be used by the market in a way. Uh, so long as you're sensible and thoughtful about it, you can actually benefit from that. So what then is your, your base outlook for the rest of the year? Um, in fact, well, you said you don't like going to the rest of the year. So what is your sort of outlook for the next um, forthcoming period? Um, so go back to the 2000-2011 period where, where gold was still in a bull market and they're in a bull market because real rates were falling. The average return in sterling or dollars of gold over those years was probably about 15%. I don't know what the exact number is and I should, but, but it's something like that. Uh, we're now in the next big move. This is really like more important than the last one. And if you look at the run rate in the last 12 months, you'll discover it's not 15%. And I tend to think that you should expect quite consistent annual performance. It won't be the same, but you know, the way gold trades generally is once the currencies roll off a, a stair step, like a slinky, you know, the way, the way this works is gold is the staircase and fiat money is a slinky. And it goes down the steps in these funny moves. And the top part of the slinky is actually higher up than the bottom part, isn't it? And then it plays catch up onto the next step. And that's the dollar versus Canadian dollar. Really. You know, what you're seeing in these currency moves are like a slinky going down the stairs. And we're just starting to fall off one step, you know, down onto the next one. Well, Ned, as expected, that's been absolutely fascinating. So thank you very much for your time and your ideas today. No, it's always a pleasure. And, and if you'd like to find out more about the Elite Radar Merion Gold and Silver Funds, please visit the website funcalibre.com. And also for more from the Investing on the Go podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not be holding these stocks at time of your listening. Mm-hmm.